Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I'm Jay Warmke. And I'm Annie Warmke. That you are. And today we're going to talk about solar pollution, or it's better, but it's not perfect. You so. always say that when I raise the concerns. I know. It's and, like and we're not talking about pollution from the sun. We're talking about pollution and the negative side of converting everything over to solar electricity. So there's always a cost involved. And I will continue to argue that it's better, but it's not perfect. And you, Annie, will continue to argue that there are externalized costs that we do not pay for, basically. Yeah, we don't factor in. But what I will say is that, just so you know where I'm coming from, as if you didn't, is that the best solutions are to use nothing, to use no energy that you have to consume so that you have thermal mass, you so you're able to keep your building as warm or as cool as it needs to be. Right. And all the other cool stuff that you can do uh, that changes everything. Yeah, they refer to that like the negawatts, the negative, the negawatts. At, the best energy is the energy you don't use. That's right. So, so. you said it more succinctly <laughs> than me, it. but that's what I believe, and that's part of our philosophy. And what's interesting, I just saw a, um, a nice TED Talk by Bill Gates, and if you get a chance, uh, look it up on YouTube or whatever. But he was talking about that because of the severity of global warming, we have to get our carbon emissions to zero. It's not a matter of let's reduce them. It's a matter of it has to get to zero. And, and how do we do that? Well, well, but wait, so you're going to really talk about corporations today and not us individuals. No, no, no. Because it's not yeah. about us individuals. Yeah. There, well, there's a whole, I mean, we all contributed to getting ourselves into this mess. We all have to contribute to getting ourselves out of it. But solar is just one aspect of it, and it is not a perfect solution. So that's kind of what we're focusing. We're not worrying about how to solve, you know, all the planet's problems because that will take us 40 minutes instead of 30 minutes and, and we just don't have time for that. So anyway. Well, I just don't like the whole thing of if we just fix the drippy faucet, all will be well. It isn't about me. Right. I mean, it's it really is about how the corporations are extracting things from the earth and how they're using them and how they're selling them and all that stuff. So, so. We, we're better off. I mean, solar is a better solution. We're in the early, early days of solar at the moment. I always like to say we're in the floppy disk age of solar. Yeah, but what's a floppy disk? Yeah, well, okay. That <laughs> You're really, point, you right? are really dating yourself. So, but right now, solar accounts for about 2% of the United States uh, energy usage. But how many numbers is that really? Two uh, percent. Two percent. It's. It, it's. I don't want to get too much in the detail, <laughs> and it's not because I, I don't know. But, but but I think it's important to say there are well, you know what a hundred thousand people okay, or no, a million point, people. The point that I'm saying is that two percent of our electricity is current being met. We're probably going to get in the next couple of decades up to around thirty percent. So any of the problems that at the moment are very very small are going to become very, very large as we proceed. As these things grow exponentially, we're going to have these issues. And the issues involved with solar, as I've identified them anyway, is there are pollution issues associated with the construction of solar panels and all of the electronics that are associated with, with a solar And the racking system. system. 
Yeah, everything, everything. Yeah. Um, so, so you have, for instance, the main ingredient in a solar panel is silica. Uh, it's a, it's mined from quartz. It's a sand. It's, it's similar to what you find in glass, but there are problems in any extraction economy, in any mining economy. There are going to be problems in mining enough silica. And silica is very abundant. It's the second most common um, element uh, on the in the Earth's surface, but it's still going to create a problem. But I'm confused because I saw a film, okay, that said that the that solar energy is really rooted. The beginning of it, the creation of it, is from fossil fuel. Well, yes and no. Um, first off, obviously, you use fossil fuels in the mining. The mining equipment uses fossil fuels. Then the transportation of the materials to wherever they're going to be processed uses fossil fuels. Then when you take that silica, and there are some health issues associated with silica, like um, I think it's called silicosis, oh, where, yeah, with where your the lungs. dust yeah, yeah. You can hurt the miners. Uh, it also tends to be a very light dust, so it settles on trees and plants, and it and it pollutes the surrounding area of these of these mines. So, and there's of course all of the disruption to to flora and fauna mm -hmm. that's associated with any mining op operation. Where is this silica? Uh, it's uh, primarily the major source of silica is China. Uh, second is is Russia. Um, but well, China's they're our enemies, so we don't uh, care. No, no, Whatever. No. They're all our friends, and we sing kumbaya and hold hands. <laughs> but anyway, um, the third source is Norway, which I oh, found quite interesting. Yeah. And then the United States is um, is next, is fourth. Well, we're definitely expendable, Wisconsin. those people. Wisconsin, Wisconsin is a big, those a big source heads. Of, of silica. Wow. And actually, there's a silica mine uh, apparently near Chillicothe, Ohio. So... Um, so it's available. It's it's widely available, but there are problems associated. Now you were mentioning the um, the amount of fossil fuels that are involved. Well, once you take the silica and you begin to refine it, it has to be melted. It has to be melted to a to a liquid to a to create the silica, these pure silica ingots, and that takes a huge amount of energy to do so. So how polluting that is really is determined by where that energy comes from. Obviously, if you're going to be burning coal to melt silica, it's more polluting than if you're using solar or if you're using even nuclear. Well, but carbon, the carbon emission yeah. must be outrageous. So, so you hear a lot of people will be saying, look at all the carbon that it takes to create a solar panel or whatever to create all of these things. And it turns out there was a study um, by... NREL by the National Renewable Energy Labs a few years ago, where they found that really all of the energy input that it's referred to as the return on energy investment. So the energy going in comes out of solar or is returned from solar over a period of four years. That's what they found. So a solar panel typically has a 25 year life. So it takes four years of production to get back to zero, you know, the energy that was put into that to get it out. But these things continue to get more efficient 
So meaning the panels, the panels and the production processes. So in recent years, um, they've a new study has said that return on energy investment is only about two years. So really, the myth that so much energy goes into the production of solar that it's not worth the energy that comes out, which is true when you talk about things like ethanol. You know, there's more energy that goes into that than the energy that's produced. But um, with solar, it's only about two years. Still an issue, right? But not as bad as some of the other um, facilities, certainly not as bad as a coal power plant. So if we were to take into account the true cost to the environment, to people's health, et cetera, then what would the payback period be? Well, they're saying two years on the energy, but you know, you can- But they're not counting that. They're not monetizing that. They will, and they have in some instances because- uh, you know, it, it costs them money to produce. So assuming you're not dealing with subsidized energy, that's all built into the cost of the panel production. And there are other issues, like, for instance, when they treat the silicon, um, they use some materials such as um, uh, silicon tetrachloride. Well, that's that another, sounds nasty. Yeah, Anything and, chloride. And often that's uh, that's a waste material. It's often recycled, but not always. There have been a waste material from... in the production of silicon oh, okay. ingots. So you can reuse it. But if you don't reuse it, if they dump it, which companies have been known, I know this is a shock, <laughs> they have been yeah. known to behave badly. So if this chemical is thrown into the environment, when it reacts with water, uh, it becomes hydrochloric acid. Oh my so, God. So that's so like soil, lethal. Well, the soil becomes completely acidified. Yeah. So that's an issue. There's another chemical that's an issue, nitrogen trifluoride, um, which is um, about 17,000 times as potent a greenhouse gas as carbon dioxide. Is that affiliated with aluminum production or something? Uh, well, it's affiliated with building solar panels. I'm not quite sure in what factor. Yeah, because fluoride's a byproduct of aluminum process. So, yeah, it's that's an issue. And then there is another hydrofluoric acid, which they use to clean the silicon. Um, and there was a big issue. I remember reading about this in China. It was in uh, 2011 where there was a big spill of this and it killed millions and millions of fish in, in the rivers and the livestock that drank. And I don't recall it being associated with solar, but apparently it was. So, so you have a big spill of these chemicals. And so, you know, us greenies are, are not always uh, as green as we like to pretend that we are. So well, we don't want to know the true cost of these things. Yeah, there, so there are issues. There's also water that's used in the production, but not anywhere near as much water as you would find in, for instance, a coal power plant or a nuclear power plant. They use huge amounts of water. Right, they have a lot so, of waste too. They but have again, I'll keep reiterating, <laughs> there is water. I mean, it is an issue. And when they're building these big solar arrays, so, so in the production, it's a problem, but then in the actual construction of a solar array, like a normal, like a normal array for residential or a commercial. Well, a lot of times people think of solar as let's put a few panels up on the roof or put a put a little solar array in the backyard. But really, most of the solar that's installed all over the world, uh, I think it's like 70 percent of it here in the United States is utility scale solar. 
So these are huge, you know, acres of solar panels. And it's a large construction site. You know, I mean, you have all of the issues associated with a construction site, such as, you know, compaction of the earth, groundwater runoff when you start disrupting Pollution the soil. Pollution from equipment. Yeah, equipment. Um, you have a lot of water is used to, um, to mitigate dust that's kicked up while you're doing this construction. There's disruption of local plant life local animal life, um, sometimes more than disruption, because then they'll die because they don't, they they're there because there's room and they go somewhere else where there isn't room for them. And it's the same kind of disruption again, that you might find if you built a shopping mall, you know, I mean, I'm not for those either. I know you're not, but I'm, (laughs) I'm just trying to point out that this is a problem, but it is not unique to solar, but solar is not exempt from it either. Well, that's the part that I'm interested in, because I feel like we need to understand that we're paying a price. Well, and one thing uh, that that I failed to mention in the mining, um, well, part of what solar is all about is uh, not only the production of the solar panels and the electronics associated, but battery technology is becoming a big thing for, um, for this industry. And of course, the technology of the day is lithium, lithium ion batteries. And the major producers of lithium are the three countries where most of lithium is, is housed is the ABCs, right? Argentina, Bolivia, and Chile, in that order. So um, there are some significant problems, which I'll touch on in just a second. But first, I want to remind everyone that you are listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke, reminding you it is indeed the end of the world as we know it. And thank God, especially today after hearing this. Okay, well, <laughs> okay, don't be don't be don't be sad. It gets better. All right. So <laughs> but first I need to talk about a coup d'etat in Bolivia. <laughs> I know I've read all about it. So, it's really amazing. It, it is amazing, but it's amazing to me that in 2019 the United States is still involved in overthrowing elected leaders in third world countries so that we can have access to a more agreeable government. So what happened in Agreeable, meaning that they'll do what we want them to do, right, not or, that they like our policies. Or do easily what the corporations want them yes, to do. Yes, same difference. And so, so Bolivia um, elected or re-elected um, Evo Morales, who is president of Bolivia. An indigenous native person. That's right. Well, one I'm, of their own. I'm sure they can be corrupt as well if they if they. I'm just hard. pointing out that would sure. that would be a big deal. Sure. And, and I don't want to paint him as a saint, but he was elected. And of course, the backers of the United States came in and said, there, this was a fraudulent election. Um, he needs to be out. They ousted him. They put in a, a woman to replace him who is a far right. She's European, um, isn't she? Well, of European descent. And, uh, and basically agreeable to whatever the United States and the corporate interests would like. Now, it has been reported subsequently that all of the arguments in favor of ousting him were manufactured. All of this oh, was reported late. in the New York Times, but he's gone. And now we've got, now it also just sort of happened that lithium mining 
The contract was being awarded to the Chinese. We're in the middle of a power struggle between the United States and China. Weren't the Germans? Didn't the they Germans, have a contract too? But yeah, they but theirs was out. canceled. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm sure it's a power play in there and who knows what's behind it. But it is just an, another example that when an economy is based on extraction, the people of that nation usually suffer. And, and they're, not, they're not in a position really to argue um, the the GDP, the gross domestic product of Bolivia is about $40 billion. Compare that with Jeff Bezos of Amazon. His personal wealth is $175 billion. So he's basically four Bolivias just sitting there in, at his dinner table. So, Well, the thing I would say is that extraction economy, we understand this in this country because we have had it happen from the beginning of our history and no matter the outcome, it's always bad. And yet we continue to do it. The people of Appalachia out West right now with the way they're extracting oil and fracking and, you know, it's all really horrible. Okay. So you're making my point. Solar isn't perfect, but it's better. <laughs> okay. So we're, we're just uh, a little less evil. Okay. We? Who's we? We, the solar industry. Okay. Okay. So these projects, um, in the construction of these projects, there's a lot of environmental disruption. Then comes but the- But don't you think disruption is such a strange choice of words because it's really destruction. It when you talk about be. animals, insects, the be. soil- Sometimes these things recover. So- well, you what know, are they depending. doing to make that happen? Well, and this is one of the nice things anyway about the solar industry is typically they're more aware of the damage that they're doing. And they do try and mitigate it because part of their brand is to be green. So you do have people, um, for instance, in large utility systems that are planting pollinators to try and um, revitalize some of the area that their panels have been you know, installed at. So it may not be back to how it was, but it is better than if you had, uh, you know, a fracking facility on but site. I just want to say, I, I got to go to the other side. It's very self-serving <laughs> to be, as you might say, green for them because the panels have to stay clean. They don't want people in there weed whacking and doing all kinds of things. So this is very self-serving. It isn't because you're green. Well, it may be. It may be a combination. Not everybody uh, is evil, you know. Uh, there are people <laughs> who are trying to do the right thing. I don't know if evil is the, the right word either. <laughs> within the constraints that they're trying to operate under. But when we do talk about um, pollution from solar, most people's minds go immediately to how do you deal with all of the solar trash when you get to the end of the life of a solar array? You know, are there is there an end of the life for a solar array? I mean, currently, ultimately, they're saying twenty five years is sure. very conservative because they think it will it could last forever, really, unless it gets broken or damaged. Some parts of it may, but but let's just assume everything everything comes apart. Everything um, must be eventually dealt with, you know, the cradle to cradle kind of mindset. And the industry is pretty new, you know, really as a as a consumer industry, only about 10 years old. So as you say, these things are expected to live 25 years or more. So we haven't hit this moment yet. But to give you a sense of, of scale, 
the Japanese government did a um, study and they found that they were having to get rid of about 10,000 tons of solar associated materials on an annual basis in 2016. They anticipate that will raise, go increase to about 800,000 tons by 2040. So there is a tremendous amount of waste there. But it's China, not possible to to repurpose or re well, well now you're getting extract to things from it. All right. Well, let me. That's let where me my just brain say, always goes with stuff. Let me just finish though that China is expecting to have about 20 million metric tons of waste by 2040. So so it is it is large, and those numbers can be deceiving because that might be the same amount of waste as is associated with. Um, disposing cell phones for all I know. It says know. 90% cell phones. Well, right yeah, there. yeah, yeah. But uh, she's looking at my notes <laughs> here. No, I know all this stuff off the top of my head. So um, so anyway, yeah, the, uh, the issue there, for instance, is if you dispose of a solar panel, then if that panel is not properly dealt with, then lead and cadmium will leach into the environment just from rainwater. So that's one issue. Uh, a lot of the material in there is, is glass, uh, but that glass is impure. So it can't easily be recycled. So when we talk about recycling, these materials are not easily recycled using today's technology. Now, 15 years from now, who knows? Uh, a lot of energy and effort has to be put into the recycling um, of these products. Well, and, if there's a war with Bolivia, Argentina, or Chile, uh, and there's no lithium, they could get really excited yeah. about extracting things. But as long as Wisconsin is with us, we've, <laughs> we've got silica, you know? <laughs> no, but we need lithium. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's for the battery issues. So, well, we're moving more in that direction, so. Well, one of the things that I found interesting is you'll see a lot of times people, and the industry likes to tout this, all of these electronic devices, because solar is not just solar panels, as you say, lithium with uh, batteries. Well, for but, cars, I mean, we're moving cars, yeah, full speed ahead. But the electronics that are associated, the, the microinverters, the inverters, mm -hmm. the power optimizers, things like this, um, a lot of these companies say we are recycling these electronics. So there's a huge industry that's associated with the recycling of electronic components. But a study by the United Nations found that actually about 60 to 90% of these recycled electronics were actually being sold to third world nations to be dumped illegally mm -hmm. um, because nobody wants the old crap. You know, I mean, nobody wants these products once they've, they've gone through their life. And it's worse for mobile phones. There they were saying about 90% of mobile phones are just are just dumped in landfills. Well, the the real issue here is that it's not they say recycling. Recycling means you're somehow taking it apart and extracting things. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not about repairing it or repurposing it. And so it's all just a bunch of baloney. I mean, mm -hmm. that they're not they're not doing it. Well, that's a well-reasoned argument. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just the truth because there are things in there uh, that are valuable that could be reused. They could be. There's a lot of silver. Um, there's lead in the yeah. solders. There's think copper. Of, think of what that's doing to the know, environment. But it is more difficult under current economic conditions 
to try and extract it out of those pieces of equipment than it is just to start from scratch and use use raw materials. And that's what it always comes down to. And as you say, we, we externalize some of these costs. So what we have to do is build into the cost of these materials. Cradle to grave. Or cradle to cradle. We have they to. They have to we be. Have to. So, so what we're finding, for instance, as an example, one of the solutions uh, has succeeded very well in, in lead acid batteries. When you buy a battery, you pay what's referred to as a core charge. So if I go out and buy a battery and it costs me $59 or whatever, I have to pay maybe $5 as a core charge. It's like a deposit on a soft drink bottle. When I bring that back, I get that $5 back. So as a result, about 98% of all lead acid batteries are completely recycled. So that's a big success story. So the same thing has to take place in things like microinverters and things like solar panels, but that's going to add to the cost of the system. Well, those costs already exist, as you like to point out, we but we externalize that's them. That's right. We externalize them. Or pretend they're not there. Right. So, so that's one of the solutions. Another solution would be to hold people accountable. Right. Well, that is never going to no, happen never. in this country, maybe in <laughs> okay. France or someplace I like that. I was joking. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, you looked serious. No, no, no. <laughs> they, we're very bad at holding corporations accountable. Um, well, you know, we'd like to, but they're in charge of everything. Sure. So I was like, whoa, wait a minute. So, so the government, uh, and this is going to be a growing issue, they have to monitor and enforce the e-waste stream e-waste, basically the electronic waste stream, because it's not just solar, it's everything in our world is becoming electronic. So your that's because phones, we think technology is the solution for everything. It can be. It's it a cultural be. thing. So, and of course, the solution that we always come back to is use less, right? Yeah. That's the best. Now with solar, there is a movement towards using less materials in the construction of, of the panels and the components themselves. So you're finding that the, the solar panels are getting down to where they're about two atoms thick. So there's not that much material that's part of it. You're getting less aluminum, less glass involved. Aren't um, they doing things like creating inverters and stuff that would handle two panels instead of one? Sure, yeah, multiple. So you're only using half as many things. See, I nature. know my stuff. I've there been editing go. a book on solar and when, energy. And when you go to higher voltages, you use less wire, so that's less copper. Uh -huh. So, so all of these things are economically pleasing, you know, because they save money when you use less materials, and they're environmentally pleasing because we're saving on the materials that have to be disposed of and the like. And, and another thing that you find with technology is actually as the technology improves, everything gets better as far as the efficiency of production, the less using less materials, and therefore generating less that goes into the waste stream. So, so we're moving in the right direction and hopefully before it becomes a big problem, um, will have solved it. But but when I say that, I think of things like everything else in our society. Yeah, everything has <laughs> which, to make a shift. Which never actually, you know, like ever since I was a kid, they said, well, we'll fix social security and things like that. And and it always seems to get pushed off. But I think next. I think the the middle of th this country 
not the geographic middle, but the middle. There is no middle class, but there is a middle somewhere. And uh, I think that when you look at marketing surveys and studies and things, you'll see that people are demanding more of this, the people who are spending big bucks. All right. Well, go out and demand it. And and we want to just close by saying you've been listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. We want to thank our award-winning and sustainable producer, Adam Rich. And we want to thank you for spending just a little bit of time with us. And as your grandmother hopefully told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is... Play nice with others, clean up your own mess, and eat those veggies, Jay. Until next time. And her children will be You can find more information on living sustainably in our unsustainable world at BlueRockStation.com. Yeah.